Today's Bible reading will come from Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13, where Paul would write, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Please be seated. We are in the beginning stages of a Bible study campaign that has the potential of transforming our congregation. Come January of next year, Lord willing, we're going to know over 500 major stories and events of the Bible. And we're going to know it like our back hands. I invite you to join us online on our Facebook page. If you're wondering uh, the method, the system, uh, scroll down on that page, find myself wearing a brown shirt and a brown, green, gold tie sitting in our dining room. You've, most of you have been to our house. You know what our dining room looks like. So find that video, watch it. That will tell you how the system works. And then join us for the classes. Now, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I believe in this campaign. I'm putting over $200 of my personal money into you. I want to encourage you to be a part of this campaign. I've already given away dozens and dozens of those highlighters. Uh, I've given away dozens and dozens of these uh, Bible note pens that write so small and, and they don't smudge and they don't bleed through to the other side of your uh, Bible page. By the way, I've got a whole bunch more this morning. After service, just come up front in this bag here, sitting where Nathan is sitting, uh, reaching that bag, grab one of these pens. The pens over on top of my Bible are the not as good pens. So you want the pen that's in the bag. When those are gone, get the other ones. I'm giving away four of those special journaling Bibles that makes it so easy to take notes in your Bible. I gave away one Wednesday night to Sean. He got it by being able to name the keys to just one book that we've covered so far. I've got three more of those Bibles to give away. Sean, do you like your Bible? Okay, you'll like it. I've got three more to give away. Wednesday night, I'm giving away one of them. You have to name the keys to two books. It'll make it a little bit more difficult for you, okay? Got to name all the keys to two books in order after class on Wednesday night. The third Bible and the fourth Bible, I'll tell you more about that later, okay? But I want to encourage you. I want you to join me in this campaign because this can make a big difference. If we come to know God's Word, it will make a big difference in our church, in our community, and certainly in our lives. Now, the lesson for today. Many of you will recognize this man. That is Paul Bear Bryant, the legendary coach of Alabama, the Crimson Tide. 
on one particular game during his career, he was operating at a disadvantage because in the practices leading up to the game, his second string and third string quarterbacks had all been injured. But he wasn't too worried because he still had his first string quarterback. And if something was going wrong, he did have his fourth string quarterback. Well, everything's going great. They're up by four points, only two minutes to go in the game, and his quarterback is injured. Can't play anymore. He calls timeout. He calls from the bench that fourth-string quarterback. Now, he's a freshman, had never played a down in college. He said, son, here's what we're going to do. There's only two minutes to go in the game. The other team doesn't have any more timeouts. You're going to run a quarterback sneak three times, and then we're going to punt, and they're not going to have enough time to score. The quarterback said, okay. So he ran a quarterback sneak on the first down, made about a yard. He ran a quarterback sneak on the second down, made about a yard, but on the third down, something happened. He broke free. And he's running now. He was slow. In high school, he was a passer, but he was not a very good runner. In fact, he was a notoriously slow runner. But he was running with all his heart, and he made it down to the 10-yard line. Well, he's all pumped up, and he's excited. And on that next play, he gets the ball, and he notices that his tight end is open. So he throws the ball. Just that time, the safety on the other team steps up and he intersects the ball and he starts off running. And the only guy that can possibly catch him is that quarterback. So he's running just as hard as he can and before that safety can cross the goal line, he manages to catch him and saves the game. Game's over. The other coach came across the field to uh, shake the hand of uh, Coach Bryant. And he said, i got to ask you, though, a question. I recruited that quarterback, that kid, and I know how slow he is. How in the world could he catch one of my fastest players? Paul Bear Bryant said, well, it's really simply this. Your safety was running for a touchdown. But knowing me and my nickname, the bear, my quarterback was running for his life. <laughs> you know what, folks? You and I, you and I are running for our lives, our spiritual lives. In fact, the Bible talks about the race of our life. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Also, Isaiah chapter 40, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Philippians chapter 3, Brothers, I, I do not consider that, uh, that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's that, that racing metaphor as you strain to cross the finish line. I press on. First Timothy chapter 6. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then finally, 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may attain it. Now, we're in a race, a race to win that eternal reward. So how do we win? How do we win this race? What do we do? Well, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore, that links it with what's been talked about in the previous verses. Chapter 11 is all that hall of fame, the, the faithful, the people who had blazed a path of faith for us. So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Literally, let us run with endurance the race that is laid out before us. God has laid out a race for us, the Christian life. And He wants us to be one that endures, one that is consistent, one that is persistent. Think about Judas and Peter. Both started out so well. Both were selected to be part of the twelve. Both saw the miracles, the wonderful teachings of Jesus. Both went out on the limited commission. But only one remained faithful. The other one committed suicide. What can keep us? What can help us? What can assist us? To be faithful. As a minister, I have been with many Christians who have uh, approached the last moments of their lives. I remember in, in particularly one Christian I was visiting in the hospital. And I asked as I was getting ready to leave, would you mind if I had a prayer with you? And they said, well, yeah, we, definitely we want to pray. Please pray. And here's what the request was. Pray that I will be faithful to Jesus until my last breath. How do we do that? How do you remain faithful to Jesus until that last breath? Take a, a clue from Hebrews 12 verse 1. Learn from the witnesses of the past. Verse 1 says, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. These are not spectators in the stand watching us run the race. These are the men and women 
of Hebrews chapter 11, who had been so faithful to God. Joy Lee was in the race of his life. He had decided to run the Marathon Des Sables that covers 150 miles of the Moroccan Sahara Desert. About halfway through the race, his, uh, his shoes blew out, but he didn't stop. He kept on being part of the race. Three days later, he finally finished the race. How could he do that? You see, Joy Lee was running for a reason. His young wife, Allison, had died from cancer after a long battle with that terrible disease. And yes, he was running to raise money for the American Cancer Society, but more importantly, he was running in memory of his wife. Quoting Joy Lee, he said, She inspires me even today to be a better man. What inspires you? Or more particularly, who inspires you? Who inspires you to keep going? Who inspires you to finish your race? Now, the ultimate hero of faith is Jesus. He's our ultimate example. But I believe we also need some flesh and bones examples. We need some, some human examples. You know, in this last few weeks, we have lost Linda Cook. We've lost Lorraine Talley. We've lost Jennifer's stepdad. We've lost Jack Smith. And we've lost now this weekend Harold Nesser to COVID. Think about those people. Think about their lives. Think about their impact on your life. For example, Jack Smith. When I came here a little over three years ago, it became very apparent to me that, that Jack had... Uh, captured a big part of your heart. And, and rightly so. He had been with you for, uh, what, over 30 years? And he had ministered and served and he had inspired and he had helped and he had become a big part of your life. He was part of your family. Take examples from those dear Christians who have went on before. Over in Hebrews... Hebrews chapter 12. Billy, I'm going to borrow that passage from you. Verse 13. And, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who, who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Who inspires you to keep going? Do you have people like that in your life that can motivate and inspire you and help you? If you want to finish the race faithfully, you need to first learn from the witnesses of the past. And then number two, you need to lay aside the weights of the present. 
I never was a very good athlete. Surprise, surprise. But I did excel in long distance running because I could endure. I was persistent. One of the things that I always did is I had these ankle weights that I would put on during practice. And I would run with those ankle weights during practice. But during the race, you know what I did? I took them off. I laid aside the weights that would weigh me down and keep me from winning the race. Life can have so many things that can weigh us down and that can take away from what is really major, what is really important. Many years ago, the king of Siam, he would have, you know, warlords that occupied, uh, you know, places in his country. And sometimes those warlords would uh, rise up in power and, and think that they could overwhelm the king. The king always had a plan, though. He would give them an albino elephant, a white elephant. Now, in their culture, an albino elephant is sacred. And you are bound to take care of that elephant, provide for it, take care of it. The trouble is, albino elephants are very sickly. They have a lot of health problems. And if you have one, you're going to spend a lot of resources, a lot of your time, a lot of your effort just taking care of it. You see what the king of Siam was doing? He was causing that warlord that might rise up in opposition to him to be occupied somewhere else, taking care of a white elephant. Did you know that our enemy does the same thing to you and me? He tries to get us busy with things, you know, that uh, maybe in themselves are not necessarily bad, but they're time consuming. And it takes us away from what is really important. The devil gets us busy with non-essentials to the point that we can't spend time in God's Word, in prayer, in worship. He causes us to be involved in um, things like social media. And we're so involved in social media that we don't even have time for our own family. And certainly not time for our spiritual family. He causes us to take on so much debt, trying to keep up with the Joneses, that we're overwhelmed with debt and we can't even be involved in good works. The devil causes us to have a desire for fun and enjoyment and that overrules our hearts. Or the devil causes us to take on too many activities and it leaves us with not enough time to worship God. Now, now none of those things are necessarily bad. They are bad in the way that they're taking us away from God, but they're not necessarily bad in themselves. They're just white elephants consuming our time. They're just weights that wear you out and slow you down. They keep you from finishing the race faithfully for God. So you want to 
run the race faithfully, you need to cut out those white elephants and have time for God. Take away doubt. Take away unbelief. Go back to verse 1. But verse 1, it says, lay aside sin. Literally, what it says is this, lay aside the sin, which clings so closely. What's the sin that takes you away from God? For many of us, I think it's doubt. Now, the writer here is certainly uh, using that because he just talked about the hall of faith in chapter 11, and now he's contrasting that. He says, lay aside the sin. Doubt. The devil knows if he can cause us to doubt. The devil knows if he can cause us to doubt, then he is winning. And I don't like the devil winning. In fact, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, I do not like the devil. Right, Billy? He's no good. The devil... The devil wants to take us away. He wants us to cause us to doubt God, to doubt His promises, even to doubt His plan. When you believe God, you can finish your race faithfully because you trust in God. You put your eggs in one basket, that's God, and, and you know that He will come through for you. You keep on pushing on. A little five-year-old boy wanted to climb the tree in their backyard. He had seen his older brother climb the tree, and he said, Daddy, help me. Uh, I want to climb the tree. So the dad, you know, being a good dad, he reaches down and he takes that little boy and he, pushes, he places him on that first limb. The little boy looks around. He's up high now. He's a little bit higher than his dad. He says, I'm, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. That dad just looked at him with love. He said, son, don't think about falling. Think about climbing. Look up. Don't look down. You know, that's good advice. That's good advice for life. Don't think about falling. Think about climbing. Go up. Don't go down. If you want to finish your race faithfully, learn, number one, from the witnesses of the past, Number two, lay aside the weights of the present. And number three, look to the winner himself. Focus on Jesus. Gaze at your Savior who began and finished the race about 2,000 years ago. Verse two, looking to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. On the farm growing up, when we would plant, we would always, this was before the modern GPS that they have on tractors today, we would always pick a place on the horizon, maybe a tree or whatever, and that's how we would kind of keep our rows straight. We would keep on gazing at that destination. 
the writer here says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What wonderful advice. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is both the founder and finisher of our faith. So if you want to finish your race faithfully, Look to Jesus as your guide. Trust in Him as the one that can rescue you from sin. A Christian was visiting with his neighbor who is uh, Islamic, a Muslim, but not a real faithful Muslim. And his neighbor said, you know, there's parts of Christianity I can believe in. There's parts of Christianity that make sense to me. But there's parts that don't make sense. Mainly that God would come to earth, go through the birth process, go through a life as a baby and grow up and all the pains and all that. That doesn't make sense. That's beneath God. God would not go that low. I can't see that happening. The Christian, he said, well, imagine with me this. Knowing that the Muslim was a father, had a daughter. He said, imagine that you are in your best clothes. Your very best clothes, and you're going to some event. And as you walk to that event, you look over to the side, and you see a pool of mud. A pool of mud, and your daughter has just fell into that mud. And she's about to drown in that mud. What would you do? Would you go ahead and go to your event because you want to always, you know, look good and remain clean and, you know, for the event? Or would you run as fast as you could and would you dive into that mud and, and, and rescue your daughter? The man said, well, you know what I would do. I, it wouldn't matter what my clothes might be. I would run and I would dive and I would rescue my daughter. Well, the Christian said, well, how about this? Let's say there were some other people around you when all this happens. Would you expect them to go rescue your daughter? Would you stay on the sideline and say, now you go or you go and you take care of that? The man said, well, no. They don't love her like I do. Uh, they don't care for her like I do. I would not expect someone else to go. Why would you expect God the Son to do any less? He came to this pool of mud that we call earth and got muddy and dirty for you and for me. Because he loves us. Look to the winner himself. The Navy SEALs are often called upon to do commando raids. In fact, uh, they just rescued someone this past week. And sometimes in those commando raids, they have to uh, climb up a, a tall cliff. And here's what they do. They have their very best climber. 
go up the cliff. And he has on his back this lattice rope thing that he's carrying rolled up. And when he gets to the top, he secures that lattice rope thing and then he lets it down to his squad members. And they can go to the top. Why? Because someone has already blazed the path for them. They trust in their fellow squad member to give them a path that they can follow. They're motivated. They're inspired to trust that man. You know, that's the picture we have of Jesus right here in verse 2. We can trust him. He has endured. We can look to Jesus. Look to Jesus as your inspiration. Let Jesus motivate you to persevere in spite of the problems that we may face. Verse 3, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may, what? You may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Don't give up. Don't give up. A dad and his preschool son were at the doctor's office. The nurse needed to draw blood from the little boy, but the little boy says, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. That needle, I can't do it. The dad looked up at the nurse and said, um, could you perhaps draw blood from me first and let him see that? So the nurse said, oh sure, I'll get another needle. So she went and got another needle and she drew blood from that dad. That dad didn't flinch, he didn't move, he just kept that smile on his face. And that little boy, his eyes were about this big. And now that dad said, son, I did it, can you now do it? little boy thought and said, I think I can do it. Let me encourage you. When you find yourself facing a hard trial, when the problems of the world just seem to overwhelm you and you're screaming in your heart, I can't do it, I can't do it, look to the place where they drew Jesus' blood. Look to the cross. And there find the courage to keep going. If you want to finish the race faithfully, learn from the witnesses of the past. Lay aside the weights of the present and look to the winner himself. Jesus, your hero of the faith your great example.